The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. This week on the Pet Buzz, we're talking about how pet stores can save the lives of animals in need of homes and save breeding dogs trapped in puppy mills. Learn about a new vaccine developed for dogs with osteosarcoma. March is Poison Prevention Awareness Month. We're talking about the potential dangers of houseplants. Sunday is St. Patrick's Day. We are sharing our pet safety tips so you and your family can have a joyous celebration. Good morning. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, where we want to help you take better care of your pets. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. So let's kick off the show with some celebrity pet news. Well, you know, I don't know if you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but the dominating storyline on season nine is Puppygate. So for those who watch on the show, Dora Kemsley adopted Lucy from Vanderpump's Dog Foundation. Though Kemsley called Lucy a beautiful, adorable puppy was really not the right fit for Kemsley's family after she bit the husband and their two kids a few times. So Kemsley, that's Dory Kemsley, found a new home for Lucy and gave the dog away. But unbeknownst to Kemsley, Lucy's new owner also didn't want the dog and gave Lucy to a shelter. So Lucy was taken from a shelter. She expected to spend time with the family. She went to another family and they also gave the dog away, but this time to a local shelter in LA. Well, that shelter scanned Lucy's microtrip and tracked it to Vanderpump Dogs. And that shelter called the Vanderpump Organization so that she could claim the dog. Well, to protect your dogs, Lisa Vanderpump has pet adoption contracts that carry very heavy fines for situations like this. They expect you to return the dog. So what do you think? If you adopt or buy a dog, should it be returned to the shelter or breeder that you worked with? What do you think, Dr. Fleck? Boy, I don't know about that. If it's their dog, it's their dog now, isn't it? I mean, possession-wise? No, I think if you sign a contract, a lot of breeders make you do this. If for some reason you can't keep the dog, you don't want the dog, there's a problem with the dog, you must return it to the breeder. That's what these contracts say. So it's the same thing with these adoption contracts. Adoption agencies want you to return the dogs to the additional adoption. They can rehabilitate the dog. They could possibly find the best home for one of their dogs. I guess that's probably the best and most safe way for the pet to get another home. I think so. That way there's really good intense screening. Okay. Well, we're going to move on with our global pet news block. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. It seems that this past week, I know you and I saw, you remember, we saw the interview with Brie Larson. Yep. And on Weekend Today with Willie Geist, the two were talking about her new role as Captain Marvel. But, you know, animal lovers are saying that the real star of the movie is Goose the Cat. So here's the scoop about Goose. Well, you know, in the comics, Captain Marvel really is named Chewy. 
it's not named Goose. They just adapted the Goose name from Anthony Edwards' Top Gun, you know, sidekick is inspiration because yeah. remember he was named Goose. That's right. And then here's the other thing. The internet loves cat videos, cat memes and everything cat. So it wasn't surprising that social media very early on adopted all things Goose from the characters. Posters to Goose the Cat emoji hashtag or for the bilingual fanboys, Goose El Gato. <laughs> well, actually, here's another little tidbit about Goose. She's actually played by a real life cat who is a male. Hmm. That's an interesting little tidbit there. Hmm. Well, Reggie is 12 years old, feline actor who plays Goose throughout much of Captain Marvel. She got the part. Now, check this out, because Reggie had such a great expressive face. That's why he got the role. Sounds like Hollywood. But just like Hollywood, I'm glad you mentioned that there are definitely stunt cats like Archie, Gonzo, and Rizzo, <laughs> the trio of stunt cats, that would fill in for Reggie at times. Like, for example, when he got tired, there was even a computer-generated goose for some of the more unnatural feline skills, such as tentacles that shoot out of Goose's kitty mouth mm. or throttle the bad guys. But here's something that we all know. I'm, and I know you know this, Dr. Flex, six times as many people are allergic to cats as dogs. Mm -hmm. So guess who was allergic to goose? Oh, no. Yes, she was. Oh, no. Brie Larson has severe cat allergies. <laughs> so occasionally they had to use a stuffed cat that stood in for goose on occasions <laughs> when really she couldn't really touch her fuzzy wuzzy <laughs> buddy. Okay. And then here's this last fact. Samuel Jackson is not a dog person. He's not a fish or, you know, feathered person. He's not even a cat person. But supposedly Jackson's secret agent character, Nick Fury, really, you saw him when he was like in a good mood or humanly possible, that Nick Fury really brought out the best. He let his guard down when Goose was around. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool because we all like people that like pets. We don't do. We? we do. We do. Mm -hmm. We do. Okay. So what else? You got a story. I do. It's about reunions. Reunions. I love some of those reunions. Yes. Yeah, stories about dogs who have been lost and traveled miles, but somehow they get home. Okay. So here's another one with a strange ending. Blue the Pitbull mix puppy who got separated from her owner in Lee Acres, which is a suburb of Fort Myers, and was later found in Michigan, went home last weekend, back to the sunshine and warm weather. Okay. But instead of a happy homecoming, Blue's owner decided to let her go. But here's the backstory. After a volunteer at the shelter drove 1,400 miles from Michigan to Florida, the owner decided that she had no time to train her or spend time with her. She asked the volunteer to take Blue back to Michigan. You got to be kidding me. I'm not kidding. Okay. So listen to this. The volunteer, along with her 37-year-old brother, started their long drive Friday morning. Okay. They spent the night in a hotel just outside Atlanta, and by Saturday night, they made it to the owner's front door. When they got to the house, the driver said Blue was very excited and seemed happy she was going to be reunited with her owner. Okay. The dog owner mother greeted the driver at the door. The dog owner's mother, right? That's yep. what you meant. Okay. Yep. And the owner, who is 22, Z generation, has had three dogs and all of them have been stolen or run away. Sounds mm. like she doesn't really care for her dogs mm. really well. Okay. So while she was talking, somebody else came to the door and the dog just 
took off and she knew it wasn't going to be a good situation. Yeah, that was the volunteer who bought Blue back. Yep. Right. Okay. So the volunteer is now driving Blue back to her in her Chevy Blazer to Midland, Michigan at a shelter where she was picked up in hopes that the puppy that has gone back and forth between Florida and Michigan could be adopted. Yeah, I mean, that's nice that she took the dog all the way back to the shelter. So, if you're interested in a loving and adorable dog, call the Humane Society of Midland County, Michigan. We're going to put up a picture of Blue so you can actually see her because she is awesome. Well, we're going to take a commercial break and be back talking about how pet stores can help save the lives of homeless dogs and breeding dogs trapped in puppy moles. Stay tuned. Get ready for a lot of buzz in this hour. listening to the pet buzz with pet trendologist charlotte reed and veterinarian dr michael fleck we love to communicate with you via social media use the pet buzz social media channels on twitter and facebook to make a comment or ask a question post a picture of your pet on instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality you can also write to us at team at the for more information about our show our guests and our buzzworthy freebies visit us at the Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. <laughs> oh, look. They're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz this morning. This show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We enjoy being with you each week talking pets. Well, last week, a Tampa, Florida area pet store made the decision to start offering rescue dogs up for adoption instead of selling puppies. Awesome. Super Pet of Tampa officially reopened last Saturday after they recently signed the Puppy Friendly Pet Stores Pledge. This pledge is an effort by the Humane Society of the United States to stop puppy mills. More than 3,000 stores around the country have signed it. And joining us today to discuss the Humane Society and the pledge to support puppy friendly pet stores is John Goodwin. He's rejoining us. John Goodwin is Senior Director of the Humane Society of the United States Stop Puppy Mills Campaign. John, thanks for joining us this morning on the Pet Buzz. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Well, let me start out. How can uh, pet stores help save the lives of animals in need of homes and those save those breeding dogs trapped in puppy mills? Well, there's a big role that different pet stores can play. Of course, the first rule is do no harm. And that would mean don't sell puppy mill dogs. That one should be obvious. We've worked with 22 stores who used to sell 
commercially raised puppies and converted to working with shelters and rescues only. Uh, and then also there are others who don't sell any live animals, but let rescue groups come in and host adoption events so that they can have exposure to the general public in a nice retail setting where, you know, where people are, where you go to where the people are to, to help them find the right dogs. And those are all tremendous services that different retail stores can play to help the animals. Yeah, and it also I think it brings awareness of puppy mills, wouldn't you say, John, that they're horrible places and they really treat dogs inhumanely, dogs and cats inhumanely. Absolutely. The stores who sell puppy mill dogs brag about the fact that these puppies come from USDA licensed breeders. But what they don't tell you is that a USDA licensed breeder can keep a dog in a cage that is only six inches longer than her body. She might stand on wire flooring her entire life with her paws never touching a blade of grass. She will be routinely bred every heat cycle until her body wears out, at which point she'll be killed because she's no longer producing profitable puppies for the puppy mill owner. It's a gruesome industry. And when they brag about USDA licensed breeders, one should ask them exactly how large are these places? Because Granny, who has a litter of pugs, you know, living in, in, the, in the bedroom, uh, she doesn't have to get a USDA license. You have to be a large commercial operator to need that sort of attention from the federal government. Well, you know, I'm really interested in how the benefits of changing to a humane friendly or slash supply store works. Yeah. Well, first off, I want to point out that of the top 25 pet chains in North America, only one sells puppies. The other 24 have found that the most profitable way is to do it the humane way, and that's to sell pet products, provide pet services, things like that. Sure, you can sell a puppy. Petland sells puppies sometimes for $3,700, I went into one of their stores just recently, and the Husky was $3,700. A Husky puppy at the shelter down the street was a couple hundred dollar adoption fee. So sure, they can make a lot of money that way. But the real profit in this industry comes from feeding animals for 12 to 15 years, beds, toys, grooming equipment. And a lot of these pet stores have found that when they let a rescue come in and host an adoption event, the people who adopt a dog that day spend five times more money than the actual customers, the normal customer, because they're excited to buy all of the new things that they want their new dog to have. Well, we certainly want the pet stores thinking in this way. So how can the Humane Society help pet stores make that transition? One thing that we do is we provide a subsidy to help with the transportation cost of getting homeless animals to the pet store for the first six months to a year. That kind of helps, you know, some training wheels on the bike, helps them kind of learn this <laughs> new model, have some help adopting this new model. And then we also go to great lengths to publicize the good deeds that stores are doing. Like, for example, with the Super Pet in Tampa, you know, we put out a press release, we, we had staff attend the event, we had some VIPs in the community there. So that way, all the people that love dogs and care about the the welfare of the breeding dogs could see, hey, this is a company that's taking responsible steps. I'm going to reward them by going and buying a dog bag of dog food or some treats or some toys for my animal. And it also gets the community aware that this store is doing really good with all the efforts of the Humane Society, you know, with the press releases Absolutely. and inviting people and even the TV coverage that um, Super Pet got recently. 
Absolutely. And I find that people that are conscious about what happens to animals behind the scenes and, and want to make a difference, they're, they're conscious about how they spend their dollars as well. And you can attract you know, the Humane Society of the United States member, the, the local animal advocate who who's probably got a few dogs or cats or some other type of rescued animal at home and, and, and wants to provide the best possible care for them and needs products and services to, to meet that end. Well, they'll reward businesses that are doing the right thing. I think that's right, because, I mean, with your business, Dr. Fleck, you know, because you do the right thing, you've worked with shelters, you always spend a lot of time with your clients, Dr. Fleck. Yes. You um, find that, you know, they send their friends to you. Oh, absolutely. And the PR that the the stores are going to gain by having this new policy will benefit them financially in a tremendous way. I think more people think about how they spend their money these days and they want to. And you even see commercials on TV, especially this time of the year. I think if you're doing good, people want to spend that those extra dollars. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Humane Society of the United States, John Goodwin, about the benefits of transitioning to a puppy-friendly, supply-only store model. You know, John, can you tell us a little bit about the pledge that the stores um, adhere to or sign? Sure. So over 3,000 stores have signed our Puppy Friendly Pet Store Pledge saying that they would never sell puppies. Uh, because, frankly, pet stores always go to the mass producers to get puppies. That you know they, they don't want to Rolodex with 450 responsible breeders that they have to call through. So they always went to the, you know, the big puppy mill type facilities. So we offered this puppy-friendly pledge that stores could sign saying they would never sell puppies because they want nothing to do with that sort of inhumane treatment of the dogs. We give them a sign that they can put in their window that explains why they have that policy and some little flyers that they can have on the front counter to further explain for customers who want to know about that. And it's a way to kind of signal that, hey, you know, we have signed this pledge. We've we've endorsed this this policy from the Humane Society of the United States, and it signals to all of the pet lovers who are coming into their store that they're on the right side. Well, let's again think of those pet lovers in our community. How can they encourage the stores to change their practice and commit to this great pledge? Yeah, so if you've got a store in your area that sells puppy mill dogs, uh, and, and that's going to be pretty much any pet store that has a lot of puppies. Approach the manager and say, hey, listen, there's a better way. Talk to them about some of the inhumane treatment that the USDA sanctions with their incredibly weak regulations. And let them know that, that you, you know you can hook them up with Humane Society of the United States, and we will work with them. We will help them. Uh, we've got 22 stores that we've worked with already. Every one of them is a success. And it's just a better way to go. And when I say that we've worked with 22, there are others out there that did this on their own separate from us. So there's actually more stores that have made this sort of conversion than just the ones that we've worked with. Uh, One in Minnesota, for example, she was really nervous when she made the transition. It paid off big, and now she attends legislative hearings and city council hearings and tries to get bans passed on the sale of puppy mill dogs. So great. So great. I mean, it's nice to see people in the community taking action, and that's really, you know, that's really important because it really makes the community more pet friendly as a whole. And so many people really want to contribute. So, John, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Can you give us your website so we can learn more about the Humane Society of the United States? Stop Puppy Mills campaign. 
Absolutely. Sorry for cutting you off there. It's uh, humanesociety.org slash puppy mills. Real easy to remember, humanesociety.org slash puppy mills. All sorts of good information on there. And uh, also, if you want to contact us for any reason, that's a good way to do it. Great. Thank you so much. Well, everyone, that was John Goodwin, the Senior Director of the Humane Society of the United States. Stop Puppy Mills campaign discussing how pet stores can be part of the solution in saving homeless animals and dogs trapped in puppy mills. Up next, we're talking about a new vaccine to treat osteoscarcoma, the most common type of bone tumor found in dogs. Listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Osteosarcoma refers to the most common type of bone tumor found in dogs. Bone cancer can affect any breed of dog, but is more commonly found in the larger breeds. The disease is extremely aggressive and has a tendency to spread rapidly into other parts of the dog's body. But thanks to a new vaccine developed at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine, dogs with osteosarcoma are experiencing a prolonged survival without receiving chemotherapy. Additionally, researchers are hoping to optimize this new therapy for future human clinical trials. How exciting. It is exciting. And to talk about this exciting breakthrough in current day cancer treatment is Dr. Jeffrey Bryan, a professor of oncology at the Missouri University College of Veterinary Medicine and director of comparative oncology, radiobiology, and the epigenetics laboratory. Got that out. So Dr. Bryan, welcome to the Pet Buzz this morning. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And we know that you were the one that's developed this vaccine. So approximately 
how many dogs suffer from osteosarcoma? And is it a painful disease? Yes, and it's more than 10,000 dogs a year here in the U.S. Wow. And it is probably the most painful cancer we treat. Unbelievable. Well, generally, how is osteosarcoma treated, and is treatment successful in the majority of cases? We talk to our clients about issues of life and limb. In order to deal with the pain in the limb, we have to remove the tumor or control the tumor in some way, either with surgery or radiation therapy, and that often even involves amputation. To deal with the issue of the threat to their life from metastatic disease, we typically recommend chemotherapy. And the most successful chemotherapy protocols out there tend to buy dogs, on average, about 10, maybe 12 months of survival uh, compared to only about four months with amputation alone. There are some long-term survivors, but unfortunately, 90% of the dogs die of metastatic spread of their cancer. Hmm. So the vaccine, what's so exciting about the vaccine and how does it work? Yeah, and I think vaccine is only part of what's exciting about this. We give two parts. We give a vaccine made from the patient's tumor cells themselves. Wow. And this whole process was, was developed by a scientist named Gary Wood at Elias Animal Health in Kansas City. The part that probably makes the biggest difference, though, is activated T-cell therapy. And so after we have vaccinated the patients, we take some of their lymphocytes out of their body with a process like apheresis. If you've ever donated platelets, you have had apheresis performed on your body. And then those are expanded and activated outside the body so that they become professional killer cells and go searching for cancer in the body when we reinfuse them like a blood transfusion. Interesting. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with veterinarian Dr. Jeffrey Bryant about the breakthrough vaccine and additional treatment that can help dogs with osteosarcoma. So how is this treatment different from current research now? It is similar in many ways to a lot of what's being evaluated as far as trying to harness the immune system to attack cancer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do that just through giving a vaccine alone. Sometimes in humans, they're giving new molecules that take away the leave-me-alone signals that the tumor puts out so that the immune system recognizes and, as an, recognizes and attacks the enemy. And then some cell therapies are, in fact, highly genetically modified lymphocytes called CAR T-cells that have received a new gene in them that send them into the body looking for a specific protein. And when they find that protein, they're activated into extremely effective killer cells. This is somewhere in between those things. This uses the dog's own lymphocytes to be killers, but they have not been genetically modified. And I believe that this increase in, in use of these lymphocytes by activating them and expanding them outside the body before we put them back in is what makes this immunotherapy approach so much more effective than vaccination alone. And that approach is not quite what the National Cancer Institute is doing. Is that correct? The National Cancer Institute is involved in a lot of different uh, evaluations of cancers. In dogs specifically, they've looked at a listeria vaccine where a genetically modified and somewhat weakened bacterium is being used as an immunotherapy agent. So in the, in the National Cancer Institute trial, dogs are having their amputation performed, then they're getting chemotherapy followed by that listeria bacterium vaccine. So it is all done from the vaccine. There is no removing their lymphocytes from the body and activating them. And the intent in that case is that the bacterium in the body alone will cause a strong anti-tumor effect. 
So if our affected dogs are treated with the vaccine, why don't pet owners need to also seek a course of chemotherapy? That is a great question, and I don't know for sure that that is true that they don't in every case. In this particular trial, we elected to treat with only the vaccine looking for a strong signal of efficacy. And honestly, at the outset, my hope is that we would do it as well as chemotherapy. And I was very pleasantly surprised to see that these dogs, on average, survive much better uh, than the dogs uh, that that have gotten chemotherapy historically. So the outcome was expected by the company, but very surprising to me as a cancer researcher because I've seen many things that were theoretically promising but ultimately not practically effective. And in this case, I think they have shown some very surprising efficacy, and uh, we're excited to continue this on a commercial basis and an ongoing research basis with them. That's great. You know, I'm so intrigued that this research can help human beings. So how do you see that happening in the next umpteen years? Yeah, and that's a big challenge because nobody's going to want to take their child who has just been diagnosed with a bone tumor and put them in an entirely experimental protocol when we have things we know that works. So as we learn more about how this works and specifically learn more about when this fails, I think that will allow us to identify a subset of patients on the human side that are perhaps already failed first-line treatment that might benefit from this kind of an immunotherapy approach, and then they could potentially enroll in clinical trials. Showing that it is beneficial in patients that have already failed first-line would then support the idea that maybe we should move this further up in the line of treatment. And it's not clear to me yet whether someday this will be combined with chemotherapy or used all alone in people, but I think that the promise in dogs suggests that there is a potential role in people as well. Well, Dr. Bryant, your research is is really exciting and so important, and we thank you so much for joining us today. Can you give us your website so all of us can learn more about your exciting research? Yes. Um, our, our information about this can be found at our website, vhc.missouri.edu, and that's VHC, like Veterinary Health Center. You can also learn more about this through EliasAnimalHealth.com. The company has a lot of information available on their website. And if clients have animals that are suddenly affected by osteosarcoma, you can go to both those places to find information to see if your dog might benefit from this. That's great information. And we'll make sure we put those websites up on our social media pages. So as you listen along, you can also click those websites and find out more. Everyone, that was veterinarian Dr. Jeffrey Bryan, a professor of oncology at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine and a doctor of comparative oncology, radiobiology and epigenics mm-hmm. laboratory. That was a, that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but we always have We're the busy. best. We always have the best guest with you know with the with long titles with long titles because they're the experts discussing a breakthrough <laughs> vaccine for dogs with osteosarcoma that can eventually help humans with cancer too. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with our next guest. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. 
We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Here at the Pet Buzz, we're urban, suburban, and country. country. You know, although St. Patrick's Day is a centuries-old holiday steeped in tradition and history, not all traditions are safe for your pets. While we want you to have a great day celebrating with friends and family, we also want you to take heed around your furry friends. So let's start with the beer buzz. You know, green beer and really all other alcoholic beverages have become a big part of St. Patty's Day celebrations. Unfortunately, many dogs and even some cats will happily lap up unattended alcoholic drinks. Typically, signs of alcohol ingestion include depression and drunkenness in dogs that appear within hours after ingestion, including difficulty walking, sedation, and stomach upset. If enough Ethanol, the principal type of alcohol in alcoholic beverages, is ingested, a coma may occur. I didn't know that. Did you, Dr. Yes, I did. Well, you're a vet. You probably didn't know that. I guess so. In addition, one of the biggest concerns with intoxicated pets, I can't even imagine my pet intoxicated, (laughs) is that they will vomit and be unable to protect their airway. Now, if this happens, they can inhale the vomit into their lungs and contract Pneumonia, which can be very severe, to avoid ethanol toxicity, the ASPCA Poison Control Center recommends keeping an eye on your beverages at all times and never placing drinks on the ground or at your pet's level. Common sense. Common sense. Now, what about the eats? Okay, the scoop on corned beef and cabbage. I love love corned beef beef and and cabbage. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you shouldn't share it with your dog, though. In most cases, corned beef is packed with sodium. That's why it's so good. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Dogs do not react well to excessive amounts of sodium, of Mm -hmm. course, which is what corned beef is all about. Okay. Depending upon how the beef is cured, the brining solution may also contain large amounts of sugar, salt, pepper, and potentially, uh uh-oh, saltpeter. Ooh, Mm. okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Excessive sodium in a saltpeter. Wow, that's awful. Excessive sodium in a dog's regular diet can lead to salt poisoning, mm-hmm. and those symptoms can include vomiting, diarrhea, and fever. Additionally, th- remember onions are really bad for dogs. Yeah, because you put that in the mixture when you're cooking it up. Yep. Okay. Onions cause the integrity of the dog's red blood cells to break down. Mm-hmm. This causes a condition called hemolytic anemia. Okay. And that prevents a dog's blood 
from providing oxygen to the body. So it can be really dangerous. So no onions. Cooked cabbage, potatoes, and carrots are considered safe for dogs. Hallelujah. Even so, these ingredients shouldn't be served to dogs in the way humans prepare them for themselves. I know. Like you put too much salt in. So, in other words, be greedy and don't share your corned beef and cabbage with Absolutely, your pet. Absolutely, and I'll okay. do that. Well, I love to dress up my pets in costume, as many of you know, if you follow me on Instagram, at Pet Trendologist. So, I want to talk about costumes, because I've got leprechaun costumes uh, and other shamrock costumes ready for my dogs for Monday. So, trying to put dog or cat costumes on your pet can sometimes amplify stress and discomfort. So, my little dogs don't mind wearing them. But Hannah, my golden retriever, and BJ, they just do not like costumes or any clothes. So some pets not really might not think of it really much. Like I said, the little dogs, especially if the costume is lightweight, has a few pieces and really doesn't obstruct the pet's eyes, nose or mouth. But make sure pet costumes is really loose fitting and doesn't restrict movement. That's really key. You want to make sure the costume is not too loose. Okay, because you we really can have a risk of them getting entangled and tripping when they walk. So that's a no, no. But you want to make sure the costume is easy to slip on and off. That way your pet has the full mobility. And if he doesn't like it, you can get it off quickly. Lastly, anything, any costume with buttons or sewn on accessories may be hazardous because small pieces can be broken off and they can also be swallowed, posing a threat to not only them, but maybe other pets in your home. Well, you know, you're talking about clothing the pet. Right. What about like at a football game? They paint their bodies, right? Oh, that's right. So you die to be green. So you die to be green. Okay. But do not under any circumstances, please, under any circumstances, use hair color intended for humans on your pets. Good point. The chemicals in the hair color are toxic and an animal's first instinct is to what? Lick off everything that's foreign into their body. Mm -hmm. Also, the pH level of your pet skin is very different from humans. It's 100 times more acid than what it is on pets. And your pet could have an adverse reaction. There are ways to dye your animal that are not toxic. Food coloring. Mm, that's natural a good one. dyes from foods like beets. So eat the beets first and use that. Are natural, non-toxic ways to add color to your dog's hair. Mm -hmm. Some people even recommend using food coloring to get your pet's hair the perfect shade. That perfect green shade. Oh, yeah. There are also all sorts of semi-permanent dyes on the market, especially made for pets, like those gels that come in all sorts of bright, fun colors. Mm -hmm. Just like you used to use on Halloween to get your hair that perfect shade of witch green, mm -hmm. now you can get colored hairsprays to use on your pets that are safe for special occasions. It's like St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, okay. Yep. Like St. Patrick's Day coming up. It's advertised as completely non-toxic and washes off with just soap and water. Um, PetSmart and other groomers have a chalking option that rubs colored chalk onto sections of the pet's hair to add a little touch of fun color. And that's nice because it can be done with a stencil. So I think that's kind of great. Look cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, lastly, for the luck of the Irish, we could talk about shamrocks. But you know what? Dr. Shockery is going to be here. Okay. And he's going to be talking about indoor houseplants. So I'm going to save how toxic or non-toxic a shamrock is. Yeah, let's let the expert tell yeah. us. Well, we wish everyone a happy St. Patrick's Day. Next up, veterinarian Dr. Abraham Shockery is discussing household plants and our pets. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. Remember, March is Poison Awareness Month.
listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, visit www.epi-pet.com. So, I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, it's always the same basket. And it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them. But, you know, she's putting them in the same basket again. It's like, hello, that's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide and go seek. The Dynamic Pet Duo is back at you. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are giving you some pet buzz to get you and your pets through the week. Well, just to remind y'all that March is Poison Prevention Awareness Month. And each week this month, Dr. Fleck and I are talking about obvious as well as concealed poisons for pets in your home. This is a very interesting week because we're talking about indoor pets plants. Mm -hmm. So this is an interesting topic because raising indoor plants is really a home healthy move because of their ability to clean the air of carbon dioxide. And even so, their benefits don't just stop there. According to several studies, the average houseplant can remove formaldehyde, benzene, and a host of other toxins that plague typical indoor air. However, it's important to choose greenery carefully, especially if you have pets around. So joining us today to talk about why you have to be careful about choosing your indoor plants is veterinarian uh, Dr. Ibram Shakri, professor of pharmacology and toxicology at Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Shakri, welcome to the Pet Buzz this morning. Uh, well, thank you, uh, Mike and Dr. Mike and Sharon. Well, Dr. Shakri, can you tell us why we have to be careful about choosing indoor plants? When we have pets in our home, many of the door plants, such as members of the Aram family, including the Fumbachia, Peace Lily, Kala Lily, Caladium, and many others, can be toxic to pets. So that's really a great reason why you really need to be careful. Well, you know, one of the things that I have seen a lot these days is a lot of people have the aloe plants in their home because aloe is considered, I guess you could say they say it's the miracle plant because of its curative and healing benefits. The plant is known for purification, digestion and healing, but it's not so good with pets. <laughs> so since it's a common plant, can you tell us why it might not be so great for uh, pet households? Like drugs, toxic plants can be medicinal or toxic. 
depending on the dose or amount ingested. Mm -hmm. The chemicals in aloe vera can cause diarrhea and abdominal pain if ingested in large amounts. So I guess you should really be careful about giving any even aloe juice to pets, I guess. Exactly. Yes. Uh, aloe is really good for, for pets, but it's got to be at the right concentration and applied the right way. I, I have to give a little disclaimer here because I'm going to be pronouncing a lot of these plants and I'll probably terrorize the names of these <laughs> things. So pothas, a low maintenance plant that can suffer a fair amount of neglect is one of the most popular house plants, right? So why do Correct. why do pet owners need to be careful with this plant? Pothos belongs to the Aram family, which contains insoluble calcium oxalates. If the animal chews the plant, it will cause irritation and inflammation of the mouth and the oral mucosa. And if ingested, it will cause gastrointestinal signs. So it gives the pet a burning sensation. Is that what you mean by having oral upset? Exactly. These calcium oxalate crystals or needles uh, when the animal chews the plant, the plant cell ejects it like bullets, the needles in the oral mucosa, and they cause mechanical irritation. I'll bet you there'll be a lot of hypersalivation with that, won't there? Correct. Interesting. Okay, well, and that's such a common plant. You know, those green and the pothos is the green and white plant that you see, and it just grows really quickly. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Ibram M. Shakari about toxic indoor house plants for dogs and cats. So, talk to us about the snake plant, another plant that's very easy to grow. Why do we have to be careful with this uh, plant around our dogs and cats? The snake plant, also known as mother and low tongue, has chemicals that can cause nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea in dogs and cats. Well, you know, it's interesting. Now that I, you got so you really, I mean, not only do you have to take your take care of the vet bill, you got to make sure you <laughs> clean up all that diarrhea and all that vomit in your house <laughs> if you have these plants around. So you better get those rubber gloves out. Make sure you have that, uh, you know, all those, the, the, the right cleaning chemicals for the right carpet. I mean, this is, gets to be expensive. And really, the, the plants that we're mentioning aren't really that expensive. So really, maybe you should just get rid of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, you know, Doc, spring is here and Easter's coming. We know that. And garden centers, floors, supermarkets are all full of the Easter plants. So do I need to worry if I purchase a plant for myself or pet owning friends of mine kind of purchase plants? Yes. Yes. Actually, they have toxic alkaloids, especially in the bulbs that can cause intense vomiting, diarrhea, occasionally with blood, depression, and tremors. Also, Easter lily is very serious. Two leaves can cause kidney failure and death in cats. Ooh. That's right. We talk about dogs. We got to remember our cats. Yeah. You know, They're it's interesting because I think a lot of these bulb plants, even the tulips with the bulb plants, a lot of times people give them as gifts or put them on the kitchen table. And then they, their idea is that they'll keep them for a while and then they'll go, am I, tell me if I'm correct, Dr. Jokery, they'll go and put them in the yard and plant them. Correct? 
Correct. Yeah. So, you know, as much as as beautiful as these plants are, you know, especially you want to give, especially if you want to give a gift before giving that gift, think about if your friend has a dog or a cat, because I think that's important. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, it's not on the list, but maybe you can help us because I just realized that Monday is going to be St. Patrick's Day. Do I need to worry about the shamrock? (laughs) Yes, <laughs> actually, shamrock. Uh, the name is oxalis species. Remember, I mentioned uh, calcium oxalate. Uh-huh. No, uh huh. Sham- no, shamrock has soluble oxalate that can be absorbed and can cause systemic toxicity uh, you- and can cause renal damage as well. Well, you know, I love having you here because it's like such a dictionary. He knows everything. You just mention an animal know, plant know, and I he know. just like wh- whips it out. But, you know, I'm wondering, we are, we're talking about all these plants that are dangerous for the pet. Right? Is there any good ones? <laughs> can they, can... Actually, I have to tell you that the good ones also you have to be careful with them. Oh. Because they may cause vomiting or diarrhea, actually sometimes allergy, skin allergy. So generally... We have to be careful with all plants. Okay, so if you believe your pet's ingested any plant or showing some symptoms like vomiting and diarrhea. Or skin. Or skin. skin just like What should you about. do? Uh, well, obviously, you need to contact your veterinarian immediately and uh, uh, let the vet uh, check your pet. And if they need treatment, sometimes it is immediate treatment to save the life of this pet. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm glad he mentioned that because we've talked about vomiting, diarrhea, and nausea so much. But really, you know, a lot of times, especially in these tough economic times, well, that depends on who you talk to. Yeah, well, let, politically. The, let the vet try to figure it out. Right. Huh? So this way, at least if you know you're bringing home these plants or you have these plants in your house, yes. you can, that's, it could be one, you know, you don't have to think about it. You could say, oh, maybe Fido or Felix has ingested plants. And I've, I'll remember Dr. what Dr. Shockery said on the pet bus. Right. Yeah, we sure will. And 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 that brings up Dr. Chakri again. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's been enjoyable. Can, before you leave, can you give us where we can find a list of safe house plants for pets? I, give us your list. Yeah, give what, us your list. Give what us is your it? list. Well, there are several websites that have uh, a list of safe house plants, such as the ASPCA, the American Society for Prevention of cruelty to animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my website, uh, unfortunately, has only the list of toxic plants. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. That's the that's the best place to start. <laughs> at least Correct. we'll know. At least we'll know the ones we can't get. <laughs> exactly. That's right. It's the one to avoid. Well, Dr. Shockery, thank you so much. But I want to know if you'll come back before the end of the month and talk about some of the outdoor garden plants and their effects on pets. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I'm that's always good. happy to be on your show. Okay, good. Great. That's good. <laughs> well, we love having you here. Well, everyone, that was veterinarian Abram M. Shockery, professor of pharmacology and toxicology at Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine. We're going to take a commercial break and talk about next week's show. So stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. 
We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Warmer temperatures mean more time outside. You have sunscreen for yourself, but what about Fido? According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look. I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. <laughs> oh, look. They're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. We're back, and you're listening to the Pet Buzz with Pet Trendologist Charlotte Reed. And veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. That's the bell, signifying it's time to wrap the show. But before we go, we want to give you a preview for next week's episode. Next week, we're talking about how to behave at zoos, the business of pets, and human health hazards of dog walking. And if you're in the Orlando area, you can watch me Wednesday, March 20th on WESH 2 at 8.15 a.m. That's the... NBC affiliate. And on Thursday, you can watch me on the CBS affiliate, News 6 at 9.30 a.m. And Dr. Fleck, can you please be so kind and thank our guests? Of course. Some special thanks to our guests, John Goodwin, veterinarian Dr. Jeffrey Bryan, and veterinarian Dr. Ibrahim Shakari. And we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you have a question or a comment for us, please write us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We'll cover your questions or comments on our next show. Just so you know, you can follow along on our social media channels as the show airs. We post our thoughts, notes, and pictures so you can have a thoroughly enjoyable experience as you listen to the show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. Most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.